0: episode of the cat is out of the bag where we're going to answer your questions on the second and third episode where we talked about branding and photography a lot we received a couple questions on our instagram
1: and today we are going to answer them basically yeah so let's start right away but first let's not forget that some people might not know who we are and we are I
0: always like, let's jump straight into it. Yeah. <laughs> whoops
1: And I'm always like, let's let's not forget we are not famous yet. Um, so I'm here. Famous, with...
0: yeah.
1: Wow. Nice. Is... Yep. Fabulous. Yeah. So I'm here with brand designer Lisa and I am Florentina and I'm a photographer. And now I'm gonna start to write uh, with the first question, and that is, how to stand out from the crowd in a good way and create a brand that people believe in? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's uh, um, it's actually two uh, two questions and one, I guess you could say. So, um, Yeah, standing out of the crowd is a a bit of a difficult one because especially in industries, you know, especially in healthcare, you see that a lot of brands, they look very similar in blue, for example, or like blue, green uh, colors and stuff. So in that way, you kind of blend in. Um, But there is a way in strategy. You have to find a way in strategy where you fit in your industry but also have an element that nobody else uses and some some people use that in photography some people use that in shapes or in uh, the way that they uh, execute campaigns for example like you know some companies they have a very distinct way of doing their campaigns which you know them for you know what I mean? Like Old Spice, for example. They have a very yeah, signature yeah. way of doing their campaigns and stuff. So it's kind of like trying to find your unique way of doing that and then be consistent with that. Because that is when you also create the peop- like a brand that people believe. It's like if you are confident enough to be consistent with your brand, then other people will start believing it too, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because nothing makes me doubt a brand more than when they are kind of going all over the place with their branding every year.
1: I also believe that it has to do a lot with uh, the why behind it. You know, Simon Sinek, the whole thing with Apple and their why and why their marketing is so strong and why they they keep on and selling. And it doesn't matter what product they're coming up with, people will continue to to buy it. It's because of how everything started and the, the they're super connected to their mission. Like m- they were at least. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Do you, yeah. Do you, are you familiar with the Simon Sinek talk about this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Did, yeah, I... <laughs> I think it's awesome to to watch his video about it because he speaks, you know, like once you're super connected with your why and the reason behind it, um, and you know how to make it clear for everyone to see, then it's so much easier to stand behind your brand and have other people believe in it as well. And also, um, let's not sugarcoat it. it it's going to get rough at some point And... This is the moment when if you are super connected to your mission and you're not just doing it because you want to sell something, then it's going to be much more easier to actually go through with it, even when it's going to suck, even when it's going to be super difficult. But if you are super connected and like really believe in your product and really know that it's helping other people, um, then, you know, it's going to be much easier to, to get through with it. If you're just doing something.
0: Yeah. Just like ask yourself when uh, you are building up your brand, just ask yourself what gets you up in the morning to do what you're doing in a way. Like what is your mission every day when you are working on your brand, basically? And execute that in your strategy. It's always a question that I'm trying to ask as well to my clients Is what gets them up in the morning to do what they're doing? It's a very important question.
1: Yeah, like today, right? I managed. It was easy, (laughs) but I—I. it's a very good example. What gets you
0: up in the morning while trying (laughs) to do a podcast after only four hours of sleep? (laughs) Yeah. Nice.
1: Because, yeah, the passion is there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have woken up for many other things but for this and ah uh, let's do it.
0: Yeah. You can sleep afterwards you so again. <laughs> you yeah. can sleep afterwards again. This is the sacrifice that we're making or that Tina's making is that she gets up after 4 hours of sleep to record the podcast. Even though yep. you seem pretty awake to me. So that's good.
1: Yeah, I just I've gotten so good at actually faking being awake. <laughs>
0: Oh my god. Uh, Nice. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. Like, it's, um, I hope that sort of answers that question. But, you know, sometimes you gotta go back to your roots, I guess you could say.
1: If that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, to to
1: me, it does. But (laughs) then again, am I awake yet? Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next one, and I think this is also something for you, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is, so, for the last two years, I've had a company that makes natural skincare. I'm about to launch a home care line. I'm wondering if branding-wise, I can stick with the same idea, same kind of photos, or if it needs to be different, as to not confuse people. I'll still have both lines, just to know if I should have people unconsciously differentiate if they see a picture of a lotion bar or the laundry detergent.
0: Yeah, I would make a big difference in uh, both lines, to be quite honest with you. Like even if they're natural, like look at like if you go to the store, look at the packaging of um, home care lines and skin care lines. Like you see a massive difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, so wouldn't it confuse people if they have uh, a home care line with a skincare brand as a packaging, sort of, like, the same style? Yeah. So that would probably answer your question. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, uh, it also depends on, like, what your target group is, but a lot of people who use, um, who, like, invest in skincare uh, brands, they have there's probably a different target group than people who use home care lines because every like everyone you has to use like laundry detergent or like home care lines in general. So your target group is going to be much wider than when you're doing uh, a skincare brand. But if you're using like, I don't know natural materials or whatever, I don't know how to how that stuff is made, but then you might want to add that type of element to your home care line, but I wouldn't make it the same as your skincare line because your target audience is going to be way different and it's going to look a lot out of place compared to your competitors, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, so you would keep one or two elements constant, like the the part where everything is made natural and has I mean, this aspect in his branding as well, but then...
0: Yeah, and well, I wouldn't necessarily keep it consistent. I would actually, uh, like, depending on what the USPs are of this home care line, I would actually make it completely separate. Because to me, if I knew that, uh, like, Draft, for example, you know, to me, they all look and sound very chemical, and also the packaging and stuff. If I were to see a skincare brand from that brand, I would be like, nope, I'm not going to buy that because I know that shit is super chemical. Mm -hmm, See what I mean? So I would actually separate them, to be quite honest with you. But of course, it also depends on, um, you know, what type of USPs there are. If you're all about being like using natural ingredients and these types of stuff, you might want to associate it with each other. But otherwise, I just wouldn't do it.
1: Okay. I think this answers it pretty much. Oh, here's a second question from the same person. Uh, Thank you, by the way, for reaching out. And yeah, any advice on how to engage more with followers? Would like people to comment more on pictures or even send me pics of themselves using products. Do I need to post more pics of myself using them? Maybe so the brand looks more personal.
0: Um, well, there are actually many ways that you could do something like this. Sorry. <coughs> Asthma, <laughs> lol. Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Uh, COVID-19, people know. Um, well, there are actually many ways that you could do this. Um, like, for example, some of my friends who are advisors in marketing, they use carousels to explain or educate people about what they're doing and give them tips. It's something that we also do uh, on our Instagram. And usually when you create that type of engagement, where you're trying to teach people at the end, they're asking a question like, um, how do you feel about this? Or how do you imply this uh, or apply this in your business already? Um, You know, asking questions that also challenges them to engage with you in a way. Uh, so asking them questions in your posts, that makes them comment. And then also in your stories, um, really asking a lot of, qu- like, just ask your uh, your audience a lot of questions, I think, is really helpful. Yeah. Uh, you have this, like, questions tool on Instagram as well for this. Um, and then also in regards to... Uh, like, having people posting your pictures, you could, I don't know, make a... um, Contest? Yeah, like, a contest, like, hashtag, um, brand name, whatever, like, make up your own hashtag, just check before if it's not used already, like, a shit ton. And then you can just, like, repost uh, people, or just uh, be like, I'll give something away every month uh, if you use this hashtag, for example... Um, or you get like, uh, I don't know, a discount code or something like that, you know, just random stuff. Um, so these types of things, and then, you know, also share them like their experiences with your product on your feed, I guess, because it also engages people to do this too. So,
1: yeah, I think even, even just mentioning that you will feature the pictures well already, um, encourage people into posting pictures themselves yeah if that doesn't work then a a giveaway should do the trick uh to get you started but i think uh also like starting a movement like Mm -hmm. something as well like with a hashtag some something that um that makes people (coughs) excited but you have to make it about them because Mm -hmm. we are selfish and if it's about like i also noticed in my own case with my account Um, like whenever my questions are about other people the engagement is much higher than when it's about me because like we tend to care more about ourselves so you have to make it about your audience and yeah um even if it's something like have you eaten today like people are gonna be so much more uh prone to engage rather when it's something that's not directly about them
0: yeah like if if it's about the like the skincare brand for example like What is your favorite part of your skincare routine? Uh, What would you love to see in a product? Or um, what is your biggest struggle in skincare? Or, you know, just really make it about them. And also giving them an idea that you are there to listen to them, I think, is really important. That is huge for a brand. Like, there are a couple of people that I follow on Instagram that I... Like I don't follow a lot of people that are uh, in that marketing strategy um, business because often they're just like replicating what everybody says. But the differences with the people that I do follow is that they're very eager to listen to their audience. They're asking a lot of questions to their audience about what their struggles are uh what they want to know and then they're actually applying their content based on what they're saying to them yeah yeah especially if you have uh, a couple hundred followers or a couple thousand followers you could already start this and it's like it makes a huge difference um for people to become ambassadors of your brand too so i definitely advise doing that yeah good point
1: I read something recently and it was something like, let's say you have a very small account and even if you have one fan, like one true fan uh, that's actually super interested in what you're doing, you should take that person and make your brand about them more or less. Yeah. Because it's the same like, and you can replicate it to many other people. Yeah. And if you don't, then you make up this person and you make it all about them and you think, okay, what, what? would that person like to see what would that person like to engage with and another tip uh, would be to actually tell people what to do because sometimes they forget so if you they won't share something unless you tell them to they might need the nudge to like it So just because something looks nice, it doesn't mean that they will share it unless you actually tell them to. So don't be shy and be like, okay, like and follow this. If you like it, share with other people. Sharing is caring. You some stickers. (laughs) Yeah, I'm done. No, I get it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just make your clients feel valued is what I'm saying. Like, it's not just about what you can offer them in terms of your product, but also what you can offer them in terms of... Um, I don't know, giving them a listening ear. You know, I can imagine, especially in like skincare, if there are people struggling with acne and stuff, um, it would be so nice to hear somebody, you know, actively trying to help you with this problem and being a listening ear about their struggles and how you can help them. That's amazing. Like there are so many skincare brands that were completely under fire because they just completely ignore their customers with uh, questions regarding their products or just um, people breaking out because of their products and being like, well, it's not our fault. You, just, you should just do it yourself or just completely ignore them uh, compared to other brands. So, yeah.
1: And plus it can always give you ideas um, to come up with new products. Yeah it's, I th- yeah Like real life feedback Is priceless mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I agree okay.
0: So somebody Asked a question about food photography And flat lay photography uh, How to set up the shots And how to edit them But also I have no idea what flat lay photography is So maybe you can explain that as well Like I can imagine it's something like you f- Like photograph from the top So I don't know You just explain it to yeah. me mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's photography from 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. I mean, like directly from the top would be parallel to the floor or table or whatever. Um, And this is exactly where it crosses with food photography, because in food photography, there's two main angles, and that's 45 degrees or from the side or 90 degrees. And... I'm going to try to structure it um, so that we don't waste much, much time. And then you have more or less four components. You have the lighting, you have the angles, the right lens, and then the props. Yeah, and by the way, again, this is also mostly related to flat lay photography as well. So the first for a natural look, and I'm only going to talk about natural look because I mainly shoot with natural light. Um, is important to experiment a lot and move a lot to find the right lighting and it's not there's no one size fits all because it depends a lot on the food some foods look nicer from a certain angle some won't so it's important to to prepare your dish and or maybe you know like just um before you actually because it requires a lot of time to prepare some a dish and then make it look super nice. Uh, maybe have like a mock-up <laughs> and move around with it until you find the best lighting. But, you know, a good place to start would be by a big, big window. If the lighting is too, too, too much, uh, you can tell by the shadows. And if you have a lot of shadows, that means that the light is very harsh. And you can actually use um baking sheets you can stick them to the window to diffuse the light and make it softer that's genius I've never thought about this (laughs) baking sheets (laughs) that's
0: fucking genius
1: (laughs) yeah I have a few uh very uh, DIY tips because you know it's like I have not invested a lot in in props for this because I don't see the point Mm -hmm. because I don't do a lot of food photography and There's so many things that you have laying around at home that can help you. Yeah. Don't need to go out and buy a lot of stuff. Um, And if you want to soften your shadows, you can use a piece of white cardboard to bounce the light back. And if you don't have a white cardboard sheet, then you can use whatever and just stick white paper to it and... Point it to the light of source, and it will bounce the right the light back. But you just need to experiment a little bit. Um, you can also use a reflector if you have one lying around at home, or if you need to bounce more bounce back more light, then you can actually use aluminum foil. You can mm-hmm. just stick it on something and uh, make it uh, make it a reflector. Oh, that's also pretty smart.
0: I actually had when I was doing more photography uh, a couple of years back. I bought a um, it was, you know, those like ra- like big round reflectors with a gold and a yeah. silver slide. Yeah, you could buy those yeah. for like $4 on AliExpress or something super cheap, yeah. but it's I also know, an I... option, but it's the, the disadvantage is that it takes a fucking long time to arrive. So if you need something super fast, then I think those options are even better. So,
1: yeah, I mean, at least to experiment, With it, and then you can buy your own. Moving on um, to angles. Again, I said earlier as well that you have two main angles, and that is 45 degrees or from the side, or 90 degrees angles, which create flat lays. And this is again once it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. It you have to experiment. There are some foods that look better from above there's some that look better from the side Um, so you have to to find the right one but once you do it's super important to use a tripod because that's going to make things so much easier especially when you're going to start making the the composition you don't want to pick up your camera and put it back down every single time you move something around so it's best to put your camera on a tripod and then move things on your setup as you go and you can see directly on the camera this is going to save so much time Uh, if you shoot from above you might need to set up on the floor because if you have a if your table is high and then you have the tripod that's higher then it's going to be super complicated so you can you can stick to the to the floor for this and then the right lens i mean not everybody has the the luxury of having many lenses to choose from, but I'm sure that everybody has their um, more or less a good lens at home for, for food photography or for flat lays. Um, however, for flat lays, it's good to stick um, somewhere between 35 millimeters and 50 millimeters. Um, otherwise, if the focal length is too long, then you don't have any room and if you if the angle is too wide, then you're going to have distortions. Like, for instance, for like a 25 millimeters or like a 14 millimeters, it's definitely going to have big distortions and you don't want that. And for 45 degrees angles or... From the side, it's also good to experiment, but I would recommend longer focal lengths. Like, for instance, I use 85 millimeters or 105 millimeters. For your phones, you can use the the zoom option, (laughs) uh, because that will create a shallow depth of field. If you don't want that, uh, then you can just increase your aperture, but the longer your focal length, the less things you will have in the background and you will want to keep your focus on the food or on your object again. it's It doesn't really have to be just about food photography. Um, and yeah, it's also very important to play with the aperture because if you have like a... Like a wider aperture, like one, 1. 1.4, you're going to have a shallow depth of field. And if you go to an 8 or maybe even 11, this is where you're going to have to use a tripod if you don't want to, to get a blurry shot. Um, you're going to have a much deeper depth of field, aka everything on the picture will be visible. And that would be also important for flat-lay photography because you want to have everything in focus if you're shooting from above. And... Then you can start with your with your dish or dishes. You can use several to make to make it fun and like I think for for some dishes that are um much simpler from the way they look. It's cool to experiment and have several on the table. And you know it's it should be it should look fun and pretty. <laughs> I think that's very I think that's common sense. But okay, let's not. and then you should only add props afterwards you should not start with a with the whole setup and then start shooting you should start with your base and then only add things that make your composition look better and that also tell a story so for instance if you have a dish with oranges doesn't make any sense to have a watermelon next to it. If your story is that this is like a summer party and you're making summer dishes, then yes. If it doesn't have anything to do with the water- watermelon, it just looks pretty, then just drop it and use something else that actually makes your dish stand out and doesn't grab the attention. That's also super important um to to keep in mind that you want your dish or your subject to always be in the middle of the whole thing and everything else that you use should help tell the story and not seal the spotlight this is also valid for backgrounds because especially in food photography it's cool to use a lot of cool backgrounds backdrops like you can you can start there's also super cheap options like uh, parchment paper that has been used a little bit um, and you can you can go all the way to buying custom-made backdrops or you can make them at home it's really cool to experiment but Never let your backdrop steal the thunder. Use it to, to make your picture look better. But that's it. And for those that have the possibility, it might be wise to tether the shoot. Uh, and that means that you can um, see the results directly on your computer. So you can set up your tripod and then I have a cable directly into your laptop. And you see the the results directly into Lightroom. You can even edit it right away because that's gonna save a lot of time in in post-production because you can see the f- mistakes right away so this is the advantage when you're doing uh still life photography and you don't have to move around a lot you can do this
0: is there like um, an app for this for the phone as well do you think
1: for if um, you're using a phone
0: there's an app for better this
1: directly on your computer yeah that
0: would actually be I'm nice though i'm not sure but maybe
1: maybe let me
0: look it up right now like live
1: tether app since we can i know that we can use airdrop to see on big screens what we're doing on our phones maybe this would be like the next step Mm -hmm. if there's not an app for that it might be
0: so I think that there are actually a lot of apps for this, like as far as I see now. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's, uh, let's do some research if this is also possible on a phone. Uh, but we'll let you know. Yeah, we always f-
1: post stuff that has been discussed in the podcast and like links to apps and everything in our Facebook group. If you want to join it, just DM us on Instagram and we'll do it for you.
0: Yeah, I see an app called Cam Ranger here, but it it looks a bit uh, amateuristic, so I have no idea. But we'll uh, we'll 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 have a look.
1: Yeah, and post it later on. Yeah. Sounds good. And then another way to to make your pictures better is to add movement and get messy. I like it. When some photographers use like some crumbs to make their setup look supernatural, like I just cooked it, and this is the way it looked like we don't we know it's not what it looked like, but you know using stuff to make it messy really makes it look natural, or like using the tablecloth, yeah, like that you used, and um sorry.
0: No, I I just remembered, like, from the step that you mentioned previously with the tethering, you could also, uh, there's option for when you have a smart TV and stuff like that. And there are applications for this as well that you can share your phone screen to the TV or to your laptop. And then, like, if you're shooting something, you can just share it to your TV or whatever you're having standing close to you. And then just check it out there. You don't yeah, need, this is I what think, I meant
1: by airplane. Oh, right. But yeah, it's it's good. We have the Apple girl, and then we have the Android girl, so she can translate. I mean, it's the last <laughs>
0: year. Like, I'll I'll switch the iPhone next year, probably. But <laughs> whoops! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know these these fucking Apple names yet. I have to.
1: Yes, yet, <laughs> yet, Yeah, It's I I love it, but you know. Okay, <laughs> let's not let's not make um marketing for apple here more than <laughs> more than we should more uh, than i've done okay yeah <laughs> um, and last but not least uh the editing style should be as natural as possible i would recommend to stay away from presets unless you are an experimented preset user um and just start with the most important things like saturation contrast and just enhance what's already there and don't be afraid to play a little bit with the colors like maybe the hue and the saturation to make some things pop out and some fade out Uh, but otherwise it's, it's just a matter of experimenting there's I think there's no tricks or there's no There's no cutting corners when it comes to editing. You have to learn it and then you can do it. I think also in terms of food photography, it's also nice if you enhance the
0: colors of the food a lot because it makes me at least always super hungry when I see like bright food. And like when you have this burger and you see like the cheese and the ketchup and stuff like super bright, that's like, hell yeah, that shit's fresh, you know?
1: Yeah, especially if you're shooting for your own brand or for another brand, um, I think you might want to stay natural because when people are going to actually buy that food or receive it at a restaurant, it should resemble the actual dish rather than, you know, when you go to McDonald's and you see their pictures, they're like amazing and when you receive the meal, you're like, what is this? Is it you know like you feel? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, with the fries, I'm good, but otherwise, I'm like, hey, you're cheating on me. This is not what it looks like on the picture. <laughs> now I'm <laughs> hungry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's that. Many of the tips for food photography are also valid for flat lay photography. And again it's it's very important to to think about a composition it's super important to actually plan it in advance and make mood boards and if you don't know what those are or how to make them we spoke about it in our last episode i think that's the fifth one um and just experiment 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 and with some things it might be super easy and there might be some shots that you have to work for a lot. There are some foods that are not really pretty to photograph. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Period.
0: Yeah. I think I don't know, do you have any other tips for 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 this type of photography?
1: Yeah, actually I do. <laughs> Is <laughs> I could speak about it I think for days. So, yeah. Um you can to spice it up, yeah, you can add movement, maybe someone you know you someone can hold it, someone can if it's a soup, someone can pour it in, and you can photograph this movement, or you can add like if you do a flat lay, it's cool to have hands like sometimes i when I do a flat lay myself, then I put it on self timer and then I just add hands, it's like adding movement like I grab something from the fat from the fat lay oh we're fetching. from the fat <laughs> <laughs>
0: grabbing something from the fat nice
1: yeah <laughs> from the flat lay like maybe uh holding a cup of tea or something so it is all about making it look as real as possible and telling a story because even if it's pretty sometimes if it doesn't make any sense Even though the person may not be able to tell, they won't like it as much as one that actually makes a lot of sense, that actually looks like it has not been staged. Right. Yeah. That's it. No, no, I'm done. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of stuff, though. Uh, I think that Tina is going to make a carousel out of these tips as well to kind of, like, um, provide you with notes about all of this because I think it's probably the most important part from this episode is how to get started with this uh, food photography and flat lay photography. Uh, So you can probably expect that next week. Yes. Yes. We also received a lot of questions about... um, our personal careers, how we got started and, um, what kind of made us go into this field. And so we're going to talk about that in, uh, the next episodes. If you have any other questions about that, let us know. We Mm -hmm. might just want to, uh, do them every once in a while. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to ask. And yeah, I think that's about it really. Yeah, I think so too. Don't forget to follow us. Uh, Don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would help us a lot. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that we are done. So um, make sure to tune in next week and follow us on at the COOTB on Instagram. And yeah, have a nice week. Bye. Bye.